What up, everybody? This is Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD, and today you're listening to Sassholes. Welcome to Sassholes, a show dedicated to issues within the software as a service industry. We are revenue ops with a edge. Jamie, Jason, KG, and myself, Pete, have a combined 100 years of making interesting decisions. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Today, our guest is Kevin KD Dorsey. KD is currently the VP of Inside Sales of Patient Pop in Santa Monica, California. KD loves scaling sales teams. He's built teams from zero to 150 plus reps, revenues from zero to 100 million, ARR and counting. He believes in processes and systems paired with skill development as the code to success. KD also loves to share what he's learning, what he's learning with others. He consults all sorts of different companies and people as they look to improve their results. He mentors and consults early, mid, and late-stage SaaS companies all across the world, sharing his playbooks and processes for scaling sales teams successfully. But before we get to KD, we have a sponsor for the show, NeuroNoodle. Hey, parents of athletes, get a doodle of their noodle, which is a brain map before the season starts, so you have a baseline to compare it to. Hey, man, seasons are almost over now. Basketball season. Basketball season? Yeah, you get a couple yeah. of el- elbows to the, to the chin yeah. on that. Well, you get a physical every year, right? Well, get a brain checkup before the season starts. Schedule an appointment now at neuronoodle.com. Hey, Carney. Yeah, Pete. Arne. Yeah, Pete. Why don't crabs give the charities? Why? Because they're shellfish. Leave us some comments on our blog at sassholes.net. No pain, no gain. KG wants to wish a happy birthday to Brian Tabak of Zip Recruiter. He wants to congratulate Forrest Hobbs for starting a new position as Chief Revenue Officer at NeuroID. And congratulate Carrie Ransom for starting a new position as Managing Director at Bank Tech Ventures. KG's out today. We would put a cardboard cutout in the chair for him, but we're not that advanced yet. Brandon Strauss, two years at Inmar Intelligence. Mike Schaffer, two years at Upwork. Remember Schaffer, Carney? Yeah, he's uh, RevOps at Upwork now, right? He was over at ADP. I know that for a while. Yeah. And then let's congratulate Mary Delaney for starting a new gig, Chief Executive Officer at Broadbean Technology. How about that, Carney? And then Wojo, remember Wojo? Krupa. Krupa. Coach Wojohowski? Yeah, Wojo is his birthday. But Wojo is uh, uh, a basketball coach, was a Duke player. You can't call a guy from, uh, where is he from? Ukraine. He's not not from here. You can't call him Wojo. Yeah, Wojcik is his name. Wojcik. Wojcik. All right. Way to go, Wojo. Love talking finance with you. Up around quarter time. Uh, but I'd like to give a shout out to my brother-in-law, Brian Provo. He was just recently promoted to global head of controls at Northern Trust Asset Management. Congrats. Oh, he's in charge of some stuff there, huh? Yeah. Controls. He's in charge of controls. Controls. Okay. All right. We got KD in the uh, green room. Should we bring him in? Yeah. Probably ate all the brown M&Ms. KD, welcome to Sassholes. Thanks for coming on the show. Hell yeah, y'all. I'm pumped to be here. It took too long for this to happen. I can't believe KG waited so long to reach out to, to bring me on. So I'm ready, y'all. Let's do this. Now, how do you, you know? Get together, do you just do you get, do you call him G and he calls you D or do you guys both go? Yeah, we just we get the K out of the way. It's just D, G, and that's that's all we talk about. How do you know uh, Kevin, KD? Kevin Gaither was one of my early mentors in the sales game. 
So I reached out to KG. This was, gosh, this was probably eight, nine years ago. It was not that long after he had moved over to, to Zip. And I reached out and I said, I'm a first time an up and coming VP. I would love to learn and get mentorship from people that have gone through it and done it before. He was in LA at the time too, because he was at Uline or um, USAMP beforehand. And so we met for coffee at Barnes and Noble in Santa Monica. One morning, we had a great conversation and I said, hey, can we keep this going? He said, as long as you can afford it. And I was like, oh, Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Oh. Right. You know, and so I was like, shit, like, you know, how much does it cost? He told me his hourly rate. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can, can swing that. But then what I was able to swing is I landed him a consulting job at my company. And so then KG came in and did some consulting. That's where our relationship went from there. And then we've been in touch ever since. Always closing, right? Always closing. Now, where are you at now? Patient Pop, give us a, a quick minute summary of yourself, Katie. Yeah, so I'm the VP of Inside Sales at Patient Pop. So I have about 120 people that roll to me there at this point. The Sales Development Org, the Inside Closing Org, and the Enablement Org all roll up to me. I mean, I think the one minute summary is I love sales and I love, I'm a builder. That's, that's what I love to do is I love to go in and build, make things repeatable, put processes and systems in place where they didn't exist beforehand. I'm not the, the VP of a 500 person org. I'm not the CRO of, you know, 1,000 global sales team. That's just not what I love to do. I love to build, get in there, figure out what's happening and make it repeatable. And so I've been able to do that at Patient Pop, Service Titans. I got two unicorns under my belt now. Um, Snack Nation was one of the fastest growing startups in LA for a minute. So that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, 10 years. And I love it. Patient Pop, that sounds interesting. Give, give us a quick elevator pitch on that one. Dude. Super quick elevator pitch. We help good doctors get found by the patients that need them. So they can practice more medicine and less business. So most doctors, right, they go to school eight years. There's two courses maybe on how to run a business. And there's no courses on marketing. There's no courses on patient acquisition. There's no courses on psychology and digital marketing, things like that. That's what we do. So we help them get found by people looking for them, but then also just to take better care of the business side of things so they can focus on the actual doctor side of things. Now, how, how'd you get hooked up with that company? LA, shockingly, is a very small sales town. I still don't think people realize it. Like LA is a big city, but in terms of tech sales, it's not a big city in terms of like large organizations. And so I had connected with Justin Welsh, who was um, the first VP at Patient Pop. He and I became very good friends over the years being in LA. We were enemies or frenemies for a while, and then we actually became friends. He reached out at one point and was like, what if we teamed up? Like, what if we teamed up? Like, you don't see this happen often in SaaS, right? Even though we're all trying to chase the same thing, which is like the IPO or the acquisition, what happens if two really good sales leaders team up and go after it? And so he kind of sent that note and we started talking and we decided to go, decided to go for it. So that's what brought me over into Patient Pop. How do you build trust in sales? That's simple. Funny enough, man, like you build trust in sales by being an expert in the prospects world. Unfortunately, mo- first of all, let's be honest, sales training across the board is relatively minimal for most companies, but the majority of it is focused on the product and not the prospect. Salespeople don't understand the day in the life of their prospect. They don't understand the language that they use, the struggles that they run into, even how they use the product. 
right? They don't even know how the prospects use the product. And I think that's where, you know, there's this big trust gap is as a buyer and y'all have been buyers as well as sellers, you know, you're talking to a salesperson, you know, within 30 seconds, if they have any idea what your life is actually like. And so if you think about cutting edge, which is really just back to the basics, educating the reps on the prospects world, how do they talk? How do they think? How do they use the product? That's how you build trust. And Oren Clough, um, the author of Pitch Anything and um, Flip the Script was his follow-up book. Well, he said one of the fastest ways to do that is having a status alignment question. So what is a question only someone on the same level could ask? And crafting a strong status alignment question quickly builds trust because when you hear it as a prospect, you go, oh, they get me. You could only ask that question if you really understand my world. And that's what establishes trust very quickly. So you're, you're dealing with inside reps, right? Yes. Inside reps usually means, and I, I think this is where our market is turning, but inside reps typically means younger, right? They slant younger, right? And I think that everyone's inside rep right now because of COVID, but purely in an inside world, we think of them as younger. My question to you is, since COVID, what tools have you used or needed or want to help you, you know, lead an inside sales team when everyone is working from home? So funny enough with this, man, like not much changed in terms of our processes. And that's also why having a process is so important. That's where a lot of people struggled is everyone was winging it in the office and then they leave the office and it's like, oh shit, like what is everybody doing, right? So we were already, I had already given my team remote days and we already had a lot of the processes in place, right? So we use, you know, a tool like outreach for the sales process. We use a tool like Gong for call coaching and call recording. We use a tool like Chili Piper to like book meetings and handle the round robins. We have obviously Salesforce as our CRM to go through. The hardest part for us going remote wasn't the sales process side. It was the mindset side, right? Like they're no longer connected to each other. They're no longer there to support each other. And so that's where we've really been trying to figure out where can we invest so people still feel connected, supported, and heard. And I haven't really found that one yet. I've been really testing different things out and that's been the biggest challenge. Yeah, I think that, that I mean, that, connection piece is very difficult for companies to sort of comp- uh, like comprehend because how do you stay connected when you really have no connection? That's part of the problem with turnover right now as well is not only is turnover um, in sales a huge problem in trying to hire, which I'm sure you're experiencing right now uh, as everyone is, but the reason why people are walking away is because they really have no connection. So it's highest bidder while I'm working from home. They have no reason why they're there. And then the company has no reason why they're there, right? Talk about goals and whatnot, you know, have a structured plan in place. If they don't have a reason for being there, you know, whoever's paying the most, see you later. Hard to grasp virtually. KD, tell me if this is right. But it's hard to grasp virtually when you're not in an office. The, the, the path to promotion in sales because you don't see the field reps. You don't see the management as much. You don't see the different roles that are popping up and different people getting promoted. I think that's a huge problem because especially with the younger staff that came into the office and their cube mate now is in an office leading a team, uh, they don't see that because now what happens is that cube mate or the guy that used to sit next to him 
is in a different neighborhood. He gets promoted. You don't even know he's being promoted until you, uh, you, you know, you get moved onto his mm-hmm. team. Yeah. And, and that's where I think a lot of companies struggle where they don't have to, right? You can do all of those things. My promotion paths clearly documented black and white. Here's what happens. Here's how you earn them. They're programmatic. You know, when they're occurring, when it happens, there is a shout out. I have countdown dashboards for my reps in terms of how close they are to the next promotion, right? So they know where they're progressing. And then when it happens, we call it out. It's a part of the all hands deck. It's a part of the department meeting. We have them tell the story of how they got there. Like you can do all of that remotely as well. Most, this is where a lot of people struggle. If you weren't doing it in the office, it's even harder to do remotely. And that's what I think shook a lot of people up is like, they weren't doing things in the office and now you're remote versus if you had the process in place already, shifting it remote, it can still work, but I'll be very honest. It's still not the same. There's a difference when we were standing in the office and I've got five people that just got their senior titles or just got promoted and people are clapping for them. We're popping champagne and we're celebrating the moment versus, Hey, everybody, James was promoted today. Yay. And that's over Slack, right? It's not the same, but you still need to do these things. You really do. Yeah. That's very difficult. So what's the biggest thing that you are encountering in today's environment um, with either leading reps or just seeing reps struggle? What, where, where are they struggling the most with? It's, it's mindset, which then leads to execution, right? Sales has always had a bit of an execution problem in terms of reps actually doing what they're supposed to do on a day in and day out basis. That is nothing new to sales because also too, we built an entire industry of gritty people. And I say gritty in quotes because gritty is just another word for stubborn and we forget that, right? So salespeople as a whole are generally tough to manage, right? But it's the mindset, right? And y'all, y'all know this, y'all have been in the game. When you get rejected, when you lose a big deal, when that deal you were hoping that was going to come in and push you over the edge or gets you to quota club doesn't come through, that's crushing especially for reps earlier in their career, right? They haven't built that response level to it of like, hey, I'll be all right. When you were in the office and you could be picked up by the people around you, right? You got over it faster. Whereas right now I've got 25, 26 year old, 27 year old reps missing quota from a corner in their bedroom, right? Someone just harsh rejected you on the phone. Don't you ever call me again. You hang up. And you're by yourself, right? No one's there to lift you. Managers don't even know, like you knew, and y- y'all were in the office. When someone had a bad call, you knew, like you knew. You could tell from their body language or the phone went down or like someone said something. I've got reps, I promise you right now, that could really use a pick me up that I have no idea because I didn't hear it. So it's the mindset, that's where. And so when people start to lose that motivation, that positivity, then that makes that phone weigh 500 pounds, That's what makes the recruiter outreach look so much more shiny because it's new and exciting versus what's going on day to day. That's been the biggest struggle is just keeping people in a positive mindset throughout all this. Because also, too, what we forget is we are still in a pandemic. We only really got out and I say in quotes out a few months ago. So all of 2020, this is where I harp on people. 2020 wasn't remote selling. 
Okay. 2020 wasn't working from home. 2020 was working through a pandemic. 2020 was working through people losing loved ones. 2020 was working through one of the toughest times to be a sales rep because budgets were tied up. People were being let go. And I, we don't talk about that enough of like, it wasn't just selling remote, selling a pandemic. That's totally different. And that's also why I think we're seeing this resignation is because people are just burnt from what they were doing for the last year and a half and they need something new. I think what you said, though, mental health is such a huge thing. Plug neuro noodle. But mental health is such a, me, a, a key thing. And especially with younger reps, you know, I would think the more seasoned reps, when they get a bad phone call, they can shrug it off because they've had 15 years of getting bad phone calls, right? Um, but the younger reps, the ones that are just up and coming that have maybe hit a couple home runs and a couple doubles, and, you know, we always swing and miss in sales, but there's times where you swing and miss and then the pitcher comes over and kicks you in the nuts. Those are the yes. bad calls that you're talking about. And, and those are the ones that you want to be able to help the younger reps sort of say, hey, everyone has those and move on. Um, so I think that's, I think that's fascinating. I didn't even think of that until you said it. Hey, Katie, let's talk about outbound prospecting. Uh, aren't you listed as one of the top sales, uh, development execs of the year by a few organizations? Yeah, suppose. Okay. What are some, all right. Give us some of the keys to outbound prospecting. So I guess the keys of outbound prospecting one is what we talked about before is you have to nail the prospect language, right? How do they talk? What's the language they use? I can even use patient pop as an example. When I joined patient pop three years ago, what was happening in the outbound messaging was patient pop is an all in one practice growth platform. How many doctors do you think have ever sat down at the end of the day and be like, God, I wish I had an all in one practice growth platform. Right? So the first is nailing their language and leading with problems, not the product. So that's the key with outbound messaging. It has to be focused on the problems you know they are more than likely facing. Because in the moment where I'm reading that email, if what you're asking me for is a 30-minute meeting to talk about your game-changing, life-changing, 2 to 3x ROI producing product, I don't believe a goddamn word you're saying. But if I reach out and I go, hey, you know, Pete, a lot of podcast hosts are really struggling to break through that 10,000 download per month ceiling. They can't seem to scale it out. The admin starts to take too long. If that's something you're dealing with, it might be worth a conversation. Is that your world or not? That type of language, you follow like the problem-based language, curiosity, bring me to the moment. Because in that moment, I may not be thinking about those problems, but you make me read it and it goes, huh, I do kind of deal with that. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to respond to that email. But at least it brought it up. And then, the, and then this is the next part of good outbound is multi-channel. You call and email and social and video and direct mail and in-person events if you can. Like you have to be everywhere. So when it comes to outbound, people also forget the goal of outbound. Outbound isn't just to book the meeting. It's to build awareness. To build awareness, you need to be where your prospect is right so you take first that problem-based messaging you plug it into multi-channel that starts to build that awareness right where people go oh i've heard this a few times i've seen this name a few times before let me go look at this real quick let me go take a, a quick look right and going through it like that and then my last tip here and then we'll, we'll break and probably riff on this is 
different goals for different steps. Most people going outbound, it's all focused on the meeting. Can I book a meeting? Can I book a meeting? Can I book a meeting? I've got emails in my early steps of sequences that are fully designed to get a click. I'm not trying to book the meeting. I'm trying to build a click. If I can get you engaging in any way, now that's a warmer call. Who are my openers? Who are my clickers? Who are my responders? Right? So it's looking at engagement throughout the whole outbound prospecting process and going, okay, how can I warm them up just a little? Cold outbound going from you don't know me to meeting is tough. Cold outbound to warming you up to click something, I can do. If I can get you to click one thing, now I know you're engaging a little bit and I can make a different type of follow-up. So I'll stop there. But like, those are some of the things that have won me these made-up awards. You have to speak in the in the customer's lingo and then you have, that's one thing. And then you have to speak in the sales rep's lingo with uh, a sales playbook, right? What What is a sales playbook? Sales playbook. I also think that people get this wrong all the goddamn time, right? Like yeah, yeah. sales playbook is a documented path to success. Most sales playbooks got written once, oftentimes by someone not actually in the role. And I'm not hating on you enablement. But I'm just saying this is where it tends to come from. Here's your playbook, y'all. And the sales people open it up and go, what the hell is this? Like this doesn't resemble my world at all, right? So the playbook is what has been documented that leads to success. And it has to be tactical information, right? And what we talked about before, KG and I riffed on this actually a little bit last year is most playbooks have nothing to do with the prospect. There's no prospect education in there, industry education in there. It's all about the product and the sales process. And then we wonder why only 40% of reps in SaaS are hitting quota because they don't know anything outside of it. So the playbook should make your reps capable of doing their job. Capable. The coaches come in to make them good at it. That's what a playbook is there for. Is that another word for a script? Part of it, yeah. yeah it's part it, of a playbook, but a playbook is your overall life cycle of the, of the deal. Right. Now my question for you and, and the stuff that you were saying before was it's like this process of click to meet, to phone call, to, you know, responding, to meeting, to say, what tools do you typically use to monitor all that data? Mm-hmm. Especially in a remote environment, like I said, there's got to be tools out there that you prefer to use. Yeah, that's outreach. So we use outreach and it does all of that, right? I have my first outbound sequence designed to get the click. I get two clicks that pushes them into a high engagement um, sequence that has more calls built into it. I go after that and the templates are built in a way where it's like 80% templatized, insert the 20% personalization, right? So the rep doesn't have to write the entire email. They just have to write the part that needs to be personalized, right? So you can map all of that out. So the, it's, it's funny, like people, they love structure, but they hate to be micromanaged, right? As human beings, the dichotomy of human beings is just ridiculous, yeah. right? Like we love novelty, but hate change. We want a clear path to success, but don't tell me what to do. Like we, we just suck most of the time, but that's that structure actually allows them to be a little bit more creative because they didn't have to think of all of it. They only just have to think about the parts that they are responsible for and actually encourages creativity to happen. So you can map all that out in outreach. Like we lean on that heavily. And then you use Dong to sort of cord and, and enable, you know, sales scripts, right. And, and mm-hmm. just work through accounts, right. So those are your, yeah. those are your fallbacks. Obviously. I mean, not obviously your CRM and the Salesforce, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
very rare that someone says something else. Uh, when they do, they usually have, you know, some issues. Okay, so that was interesting. So you're using outreach to sort of monitor almost your playbook. And, and you sort of put that playbook in so that these new sales reps sort of aren't just stopping in and saying, oh, what do I do from here? You've sort of already mapped it out. Say, hey, you want to do this, 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 this. And outreach is going to help not only spoon feed you the playbook, but also monitor what's going on in that. Exactly. Well, our, our internal theme is you manage processes, you develop people. You don't manage people. People are unmanageable. You manage a process, you develop people. And if there isn't a process in place, we need to create one so that there is. Yeah, that's good. I always, our old CEO, Bob Montgomery, who um, he used to say, and I, I sort of adhere to it and I say it to everybody that works for me. Um, I don't manage, I don't micromanage. If I'm micromanaging, it's not a good thing. Right. But the way I always visualize it is I'm walking down a path with the torch and I don't care if you're walking on my path or somewhere else in the forest, as long as you can see the light of my torch, we're good. I'm going to micromanage you if you can't see the light of my torch. Maybe you force me to pick a different path. You can't see my torch, then you've done something wrong. And if I'm all up in your grill, then you know you better change or or, uh, I need to find something else. Jamie, feed the lions, ride the horses, and shoot the dogs. Let's talk about leads. Quantity versus quality, KD. Where are you at on this uh, debate? If I can only pick one, it's quantity, period. So you want a lot of crap. Blind squirrel finds them sometimes. If if I can only pick one, I will pick quantity because within quantity, I can find quality, right? But this idea, like here's the problem, right? And most unfortunate people in sales also really suck at math, right? So give me five quality leads. Give me five quality accounts. That's great. What's the book rate on an outbound account? What's the book rate? Cold outbound, incest, the average lead to meeting book rate hovers in the 5 to 8% range. So real quick, y'all, what's 8% of 5? Can't do it. You can't do it. What's 8% of 10? You can't do it. What's 8%? So this idea that quality saves us doesn't work. I'd rather take the quantity and I will find quality in there. But the premise, you know, when people say things, it's not about the quantity, it does about the quality. Yes, but no. If I could get to my quota in two calls, yeah, it doesn't work that way. So you need to understand the math, full, full cycle, the math of every single touch point, right? And we track this again with my teams. What's our DM connect rate? Meaning for every 100 calls we make, what's our connect rate? How often do we actually get the decision maker on the phone? Once I have that number, I can say, what's my DM conversion rate? So for every 10 DMs I talk to, how many can I book to a meeting? Then what's my show rate? What's my close rate? With that math, I can tell you how many dials you need to be making. I can tell you how many emails you need to be doing. It's not a quantity or quality. Like The quantity has to be there to quality. And I know most people always say, well, it's all quality. Yeah, you need quality, but you need quality to quantity is the only way to get there. When you're, yeah, when especially you're with the younger staff, I totally agree with you. I think quantity needs to be first because if you don't have a younger staff that's not as experienced and they just do quality, well, guess what? They're not as good and they don't have the skill. And Pete used to preach this uh, uh, skill times activity equals success. And you don't have any skill when you're younger or you have less than when you're older. You're going to miss even on great quality opportunities more so than yeah. next. You might as well go for quantity and miss on some 
less qualified ones, but that's where that's where you get your practice and your skill up. See, I think the quantity comes in, you know, when you pick up on the phone, you only control two out of the three outcomes. When I say two out of the three, if you're going to influence somebody, Aristotle's, you know, remember ethos, logos, pathos, ethos, don't be a tool, logos, what's the reason why you're calling pathos, the mindset of the person on the other end of the phone? Well, you can have a good reason why you're calling and you cannot be an idiot, but you don't know what that person's frame of mind is that you're calling on the other end of the phone. In order to influence somebody, it's like a slot machine. You need cherry, cherry, cherry to come up. And that's why you need the volume to come in because who knows what mood that person's in that, you, that you're calling on. Just my two cents. I, I agree. And quality tends to, what people tend to do with quality is they try to achieve quality through elimination, not optimization. That's where you got AEs declining opportunities because it wasn't quality, right? Because, oh, it wasn't a layup. They didn't have budget ready today. If you can only sell to someone who has budget ready today, sorry, to me, that is not selling. That is taking an order from someone who already had budget allocated to what you do, right? So that's where quality tends to take people. And then um, James, you mentioned this, this is really important because new reps will look at veteran reps and go, well, the veteran rep isn't making 70 calls a day. So why do I? It's like, because you're not as good as them period. End the conversation, right? This whole, in salespeople, again, we do this, this whole industry, we do this, this idea that I, I love this quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, which is not true. Okay. Skill trumps damn near everything. If you are three times better than me at something, how much harder do I have to work to beat you? Four, I have to work four times harder to beat you. You can't work four times harder than somebody. Skill is the missing sauce in the sales industry right now. We've preached this idea that you can just work your way to success, and it's not true. You have to be good at it, and that's where people miss on this quantity versus quality. Is like you aren't quality yet, right? And if you only pitch to five quality people, you can't get ten deals. That's how math works. And and if the reason why isn't there. These new reps, they can work four times as hard and do just as well as a skilled rep who isn't motivated, right? Mm -hmm. They can do 25% of the work and get the same results as a brand new person doing 100% that has 25% skill. Yeah. It's just a numbers game. Yeah, it's, it's it a is. Numbers game. Yeah, and but what do we talk about a lot with my leaders? And I just led a course on this. Sales is a numbers game, but behind every number is a behavior process and skill. Right? Most managers focus on the number. Hey, we need more opportunities. That's the number. What's the behavior process or skill behind that number that actually needs to change? If we're as easy as just changing the number, that'd be great. I'm like, hey, y'all, we need 42 opportunities. I guess give you the number. I need to identify the behavior process or skill behind that number. And that's where you focus. And most managers don't focus there. They only focus on the number. So yes, sales is a numbers game, but behind every number is a behavior process and skill. That's where the time needs to go as a leader, a manager, and a rep. The topic that I know when I'm talking to a lot of the uh, uh, sales leaders and rev op leaders uh, in the organization since, or in different organizations in, since COVID, the main theme I'm hearing and I'm experiencing as well, 
pipeline creation is probably one of the biggest problems since 20, uh, since COVID. Um, if you are experiencing that, which by how you're nodding, I would assume you are, how have you as a leader tried to address that problem? Goes through a lot of things that we were already talking about, right? So one, identifying what the new problems are for the industry, right? Like what are they facing now that's different than what they were facing a year ago and tweaking our language accordingly, right? So for perfect example, we made this pivot a little bit with patient pop, right? Previously, it was like not seeing enough or not seeing the right patients was the core value prop of or problem that we solve. Well, during COVID, they couldn't see any patients, yeah. That's a different type of problem. And so if I'm hitting you up saying like, are you seeing the right patients? They're like, yo, we can't see anybody. It's different. So tweaking the language to saying, okay, like, okay, here's how we can help you see any patients helped us get through things, right? Where a lot of people are struggling too right now is connect rates. You can't call the office anymore, right? You can't call the office anymore because a lot of people aren't in the office, which means you have to get better at some of the digital channels because what do y'all do when y'all see a number you don't recognize on your cell phone you answer that nope nope right exactly so like but people are like oh we need cell phones shoot since the ios update in april people don't realize this too the update that was made in april that if you don't answer it i think it's even just one time from an unrecognized number it starts to show up as like potential scam or spam on the cell phone, right? And what sales reps don't realize is that's blocking their number. So if you stay in the same industry and you move to a different company and start calling the same prospects, you're still getting hit as scam and spam, right? So it's getting better at the digital channel. So we leaned heavy into video, heavy into video. And we saw a big uptake from that because that allowed you to bring the person element into it a little bit more. And it stood out more than just an email. Because also an email, one of you just mentioned it, you can't control how it's read, right? You can't control the mindset somebody's in when they read it. Whereas video, you can bring that tone across. You can bring that person element across and make sure it's being delivered the right way. So we made a shift also way more video, which also then got us way more clickers, which then warmed up those calls. Because now I'm not just saying you clicked on an email. It's like, hey, you watched my video. Let's talk about what stood out to you in there. So it makes those calls easier as well. So those have been things that we've leaned into heavily to generate pipeline, but also we coach to it a lot. We train to it a lot. Like we are constantly tweaking and testing things there. Like, I know this is a podcast, but you know, I don't know if people ever see the video, but this is literally one of the mottos that we have. I don't know if you'll be able to see this because of the glare, but this is a decanter my team gave me. Can you read what's on here? Pipeline over everything. Pipeline over everything. P-O-E. That's how we live, right? As we say, it's pipeline over everything. If we can open it, we can close it. And that's where we focus a lot of time and energy. So you're saying you got to rely on marketing? Oh, goodness, no. So no, like, and, I, and by the way, funny enough, I have a phenomenal relationship with marking. Like I work uh, Marketing well sucks. Marketing. It always, so, anyways. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. We are not allowed to say marketing sucks until we can say we don't suck. That is the rule I have with, with my team. If we are doing the right things, if we are handling the leads the right way, if we are using the right messaging, we are making the touches we're supposed to, we are following up the way that we're supposed to, and we still can't convert marketing, you suck. But until we check the boxes on those five things, we don't get to say that. You can't go to marketing and say you suck when you only call the lead twice right? So we own our side of the SLA. And then that's what allows me to go to marketing and say, turn off this asset. It's garbage, 
We are making 14 touches across 21 days. We've sent personalized messaging and every single one of them has been DQ'd for not a good fit, not the right persona, whatever else. This asset sucks. Turn it off. But until sales actually does their part, like what we, we do, we talk about this a lot. Sometimes you have to prove someone wrong. You can't tell them they're wrong. You have to prove that they're wrong by doing your part. And this even scripting, right? Prove I'm wrong. Use my script and it doesn't work. Prove I'm wrong. Don't tell me I'm wrong. There's a big difference there. And if you can prove it, we change. Sounds like the reps have to rehearse what they're doing. Even if you have a playbook, people on the other end, they can, hi there. My name is Pete. I am... Mm-hmm. Right. So, I love. I love this. I love this part of it too, because people say this, right? Scripts make me sound robotic, and I say no. A script doesn't sound anything. A script's a piece of paper. You sound robotic. There's a huge difference, right? Every TV show you've ever watched, every movie you've ever been to, every song you've listened to on the radio was scripted. It's the performer's job to make it come alive. It's not the script's fault. It's the performer. Right. And that's also too. And we do this heavily to get good at a script. You have to practice bringing it alive. So we do hundreds of repetitions in the onboarding program and it never stops. Right. My reps role play to the day they walk out the door at patient pop because that's where you get good. I said this on stage a few years ago. I said the best practice on purpose and the rest practice on prospects. That's where most reps are practicing right now is with the prospect. They get the prospect on and now it's like, oh, shoot. Uh, Hey, this is kept right. Versus if you've been practicing for that moment, you're ready. So scripts work and they work well, but you do. You nailed it. You have to have the repetition with the script, but before the performance. Right. Did you play any sports in high school or college? Football, my friend. Football. Okay. Can you imagine? imagine just playing the game, right? So you don't practice. You just lace them up, put the pads on. The coach goes, okay, go play inside linebacker. You're in the game now. That's not practice. You're going to get your ass kicked. That's what we're setting most sales reps up to do. We sit them down, maybe in a training. We teach it to them. We give them the script. They say, okay, go do it. And they get that decision maker on. They go, "Uh, hi, this is, you know, how are you doing today? And now they're practicing what we taught them. It's completely backwards. They need to be doing hundreds of repetitions before they get on the phone because you might only get one shot and you have to be ready for that shot in that moment. If you could pick one thing to to train the reps on, would role-playing be number one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one thing that's very interesting in what you said, everything has moved digital so much more so since COVID. And so even though we've been talking about how these more experienced sales reps have a leg up in terms of skill. Well, guess what? If you're new, and a lot of our listeners are new, you have a leg up on the digital age, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the younger reps, you got to embrace what you have. And so if you're a younger rep out there and you're hearing this and thinking, man, it's going to be a tough road. I don't have the skills. I don't have this. I'm getting hit in the face a lot on all these calls. Well, guess what? Start thinking outside the box and start bringing a lot of digital ways of interacting with people and reaching out to people that companies don't because you got to remember the people that are leading the team and we're a little bit older than these guys coming out of college right so they're going to know how to get on snap better than us um you know maybe use uh whatsapp better than us 
and I'm probably uh, dating myself, but I'm trying to think of what my daughter uses right now in high school. All the other crap that they're using, they're going to know how to use those to maybe reach out to other people within an organization to make that connection. Don't be afraid to use your skills. Do that and then show your boss how you're using those skills to make those connections look successful. Technology is supposed to speed up a process, right? And if you don't have a process, you're speeding up nothing. And that's where I think a lot of companies got slammed during during this COVID break. KD, man, what? how can we help send some uh, people your way? Um, I mean, shoot, like I have a podcast as well, Live Better, Sell Better. So if yeah. listeners are, are down for that, sending them towards towards the podcast there. It could be be a fun kind of mix of, you know, things yep. and tactics yeah. and tools. So that'd be one area. Um, and that's probably the best place. You can follow me on LinkedIn as well. I post pretty regularly on LinkedIn. I try to put content out there, you know, that people can learn from. Because as you said, like the intro, like I love, I do, I really love to share and to teach and to learn because I sure as hell didn't have something like there weren't sales podcasts when I was coming to the game. When you were coming to the game, did you have a sales podcast? You have that? Yeah, it wasn't even a podcast when Pete came up. Did LinkedIn? Oh, y'all will love. Oh, shoot. Where is it? You will love this. Brian Tracy, art subject. Oh, God. Yeah. Do you like like this? Y'all can see this. People listening. Mr. Brooks. Look at this, though, because who is on? By the way, everyone watching, these are called CDs which stands for a compact disc. You know who's on these? Mike Brooks and Kevin Gaither are on these recordings. They're on this program here, right? Like this is what you had to do to learn. There was no LinkedIn to learn from people. And so I think that's why I try to share is because like I made a lot of mistakes coming up. I got a lot of things wrong. And if people had been teaching then, it would have been way better. So that's what motivates me. Pete, why don't you take out your Commodore 64 and your floppy disks? I don't know, Carney. I'm listening to you on your A-track. I think I'm done here, y'all. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's not forget about your Patreon, man. Inside Sales yeah. Excellence. After they donate to our Patreon slash, slash yeah, assholes. There you go. Yep, that, I have the Patreon, Inside Sales Excellence. And that's where I'm doing like real trainings, right? So like there's over 20 some hours of like hour long trainings on discovery, cold calling, objection handling, email writing, systems processes. Like it's the stuff you can't learn in 1300 characters on LinkedIn or yeah. hard to teach in a podcast. So there's really heavy training in there if people are interested in it and it's less than like an extra large burrito at Chipotle. So I'm practically giving it away at this point. I didn't know there was extra large burritos in Chipotle. I oh, yeah. You can double wrap, double guac, and put it in a bowl. Oh, extra large. Man. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Sassholes. On behalf of Jamie, KG, and myself, Pete, we thank you for listening. We ask that you give us five stars on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to our newsletter and the podcast notes, and you can always buy us a beer on Patreon. We thank you for listening. Cue the music.
sorry. I was like, what is he trying to do? <laughs>